Welcome to Basecamp, an Ethnos 360 MK Care podcast. I'm Steve Swope, and I'm here with Pete Ammerman, and we're your hosts for this podcast. We're part of the MK Care team for Ethnos 360, and our team exists to assist our MKs and their families by providing care and resources to help them thrive in the transitions that come hand in hand with ministry life. At the end of today's podcast, we'll give you information on how you can connect with us. We're glad you're joining us today. All right, everybody, welcome to this episode. We're really excited. Uh, today we have Debbie Hewitt, who I uh, I love getting to hang out with. She is the director of the Nairmore Christian Foundation's MK Reentry Program. And so every every so often we're gonna have episodes just focused on you know resources available to our MKs, to our families, and this is definitely one of them. Uh, I have had the privilege, my wife and I, Bree and I, have had a chance to work with Debbie now for the past 10 years. Debbie is awesome, an incredible leader, so fun to work under. And uh, so yeah, this year, uh, we kept <laughs> out of out of randomness, kept going 10 years. And was like, what is that for again? We're like, don't worry about it. So Debbie, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. And would you be willing just to share a little bit about your background, just a little bit about your story? Thanks, Pete. Good to be here with you both. Yeah, um, I have been directing, as Pete said, for 10 years. And um, I took over just after Barnabas and Nairmore Christian Foundation had been um, partnering for about 18 years. And then they uh, ended their time primarily just, it was a huge commitment on Barnabas. Um, Perry, wonderful Perry Bradford of Barnabas had um, invested 18 years of um, flying out to California for a month. So it was, it was time to end that but we still are great partners. So before that, in 1978, my great uncle Clyde, who had started Nairmore Christian Foundation in the 60s and had a radio program, he was doing a missionary and uh, pastor's enrichment for spouses, um, for couples, and they would come for three weeks to Southern California. And for three weeks, they would get psychoeducation, uh, how to be more effective in ministry, but they'd also get counseling for themselves. And the missionaries kept asking my great uncle, can you do this for our kids? We really need this for our kids. Clyde, my uh, great uncle was married to Ruth. Ruth grew up in China as a missionary kid. Um, and so it was a natural opportunity for them to begin doing the same kind of program for the missionary kids. And that's the beginning of reentry. So we're on our 45th year. We just finished out our Crazy. 45th year. So it started in 1978 as a two-week program. It may have actually been three weeks in the early years. I can't, I'm not sure, uh, but they did psychological testing and really the, the, the bulk of the program that we have now is similar um, structure over the 12 days. So well, I just want to family well. involved that for yeah. pretty much that entire time. Yeah, yeah, my dad was uh, leading, co-leading with uh, Perry for those 18, or not the full 18 years, but before I took over and then I I took both of their jobs together to pull off pulling counselors and um, college MK staff and then directing. So it's great. I absolutely love it. It's a, it's a real privilege to steward the ministry. And I asked the Lord, just help me not to mess it up when I started 10 years ago. <laughs> Like a, that was my minimum requirement. Like, just, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin anything, but it's been a lot of, a lot of fun. And we've served a lot of kids since then. So. Well, being involved, I can attest you do a lot to make those happen. It's a very large job with a lot of detail and you do it fantastic. 
What about your family? Can you share a little bit about who you, who you, uh, you come with? Who are, who's your, who's your family? Uh, my people, my people are, um, awesome. Um, my husband, Paul, uh, graduated from Rosemead in, um, 2008 and Rosemead is the graduate program at Biola university that my great uncle and my dad helped bring over from the Naramore Christian foundation. It merged with Biola to create their first, um, graduate psych program at Biola. And that's why it's called Rosemead because it was in the city of Rosemead, which nobody cares. But anyway, true I did story. not know that. I just true story. Um, yeah. And so my husband went to get his degree from Rosemead back when our kids were born. So we now have a, an 18 and a 20 year old and our daughter Grace is at Biola heading into her sophomore year. She's heading to Jordan actually for the fall. And our son is starting at Biola in a cinema cinematography program. And yeah, we might go miniature golfing tonight. One of our few family nights left before everybody disperses in like two weeks. So, wow. um, but they're, they're awesome. And, and my kids have been through the program 10 times, uh, nine times. <laughs> and uh, so that is um, grace was a huge help this past time as a older now MK staff for the first time. And so it's been really neat. They've, they're Art and view of the world has grown um, because of being around the MKs every summer. So it's it's a win for our family as well. Paul helped in the early years when the kids were younger, um, and now he stays home to uh, pay for college and <laughs> keep his private practice going I'm here in Michigan. But yeah, love my fam. That's awesome. So Debbie, what happens at a reentry program? What what are these two weeks like when 30, 40 some kids come together? from around the world. You can only imagine, right? Pandemonium. No, no, we have this 45 years going. We have like this down pat. I think one of the students in the evaluation, she said, I can tell that you guys have been doing this a long time. And I think she meant that in a positive way. Like <laughs> things run well, but the 12 days of the first week, we really um, focus on looking back on their MK experience and childhood and um, teen development years, developmental years with topics from their MK identity and Dave Pollock and Ruth Van Ricken's book, um, Growing Up Among Worlds, really focusing on some of that content, emotions of Jesus, how we're wired differently, uniquely, leading into different issues that teens face. A lot of psychoeducation, honestly, that first week. Um, and then the second week, we move towards looking ahead in college relationships and how do American teenagers build relationships differently than MKs and why. That is always a really popular uh, topic, super helpful for students to kind of like have an aha moment and hopefully gives them more grace as they, they head off to college. And we talk about parents and siblings and that changing relationship as they move into college. Uh, we talk about dating and singleness. And um, so a lot of kind of looking ahead uh, conversations. We have small groups with counselors. So we have eight of those over the 12 days. We have a ton of fun. There's a great video that Pete and Brie Ammerman put together. <laughs> and you can tell that we have a lot of fun. I will add that some of the students have been calling it MK reentry camp. And I am going to, what's the word I'm looking for? I want to reject that phrase camp. Because <laughs> It is also a lot of hard work. Like mm -hmm. it is, it's pretty heavy. It's a lot of, you know, processing. And um, that's why we have 12 days so that they have time to share their stories in their small groups, have a lot of conversations, meet with counselors twice, 
spiritual retreat. Prayer stations on Sunday, a great break right in the middle of the two weeks, full 12 days. But I tell you what, on top of that busyness, there is a lot of fun. There's, you know, there's games every day. There's in, in teams, there's, um, there's going to the beach. Hello. There's going to a theme park. There's a lot of things to kind of intentionally placed as well to kind of give a break to the processing which aids the next day and just helps them prepare for that. So what what does the staff look like? What are the what are the components of a staff or something like this? Yeah, so the, one of the reasons we raise a fair amount of money to put on the program is because we want a robust staff to enable us to have counselors. Um, so all of our counselors have master's degrees in counseling. And so this year we had 42 students, so we had seven groups. We don't want the groups to be any larger than six because it's just too much for the counselors to get in all the one-on-one appointments, but also six is a kind of a magic small group number. And so uh, we have counselors. We also have college-age MKs, and we have between six, five to eight, I would say, each year. Um, And those are the students, the MKs who build really deep connections and share their stories and just having their presence, even if they didn't say anything, I think the MKs who come through say, oh, okay, they're a sophomore, they're a junior in college, or they just graduated. They can, they, they survived. (laughs) And that means I can survive. So um, a lot of it is, is, you know, they're sharing their stories. They're right in the mix. They're leading all the games. They're doing all the fun things and also praying together and leading devotions and leading worship. And they're kind of like a camp summer staff. They do a yes. lot. Yeah. They do a ton and move chairs around all, all the things. <laughs> yeah. And then on top of that, we have uh, my role. We have Pete and Bree's role. Bree is running around taking video footage and, and Pete's doing a, just a ton of work to keep the MK staff geared up and focused and administrative things. So we have a variety of um, staff to make all of the different components happen. It's a strong biblical foundation for the program. So we integrate psychology and theology throughout the context of sharing one another's burdens, confessing one to another, and we're living out the one another verses. And that's a really important part. I mean, foundational part to the whole program. So our staff also are required to have a, a solid relationship and sense of, of um, how God is shaping them for their future. Debbie, let me ask one question. Naramore Christian Foundation has a two-week program. Not all reentry programs go a full two weeks, but why, why did you land on two weeks? Why do you need that much time? Yeah, it's an important part of the processing. So a lot of what we want for the MKs is not to open a big can of worms that they can't process or work through and then say, okay, well, good luck and, and, you know, wave goodbye. We want to provide a positive experience with a counselor that says, okay, maybe in the future, if I need that in college, it's not such an awful scary thing. And that is to just begin the process. Like I, I always say throughout the program, you guys were just, we're just beginning becoming aware and curious about ways maybe we've been relating to people that haven't been as effective or sin patterns that I, you know, didn't want to share that, you know, caused me shame. We're, we're beginning to, you know, shine light on that. And the work is just 
beginning and we're shifting the trajectory. If I did not get the work and I was just going this way, instead we are saying, Hey Lord, what do you want to do in this area of my life? And then shifting trajectory um, into a positive light. So yeah, so that it's really important that we have those eight small groups spread out over the 12 days, each MK. So there's six per group. They all have an opportunity to share their story. Most of them never have that chance. I mean, I never had a chance to share my life story with anyone. I don't think anybody wanted to know, but um, uh, uh, this is a great opportunity. And that takes up a lot of the small group time in addition to regular processing. But yeah, that, that just gives them a, a chance to kind of go through a whole cycle of hearing people's stories, sharing their own, beginning to unravel a little bit, and then giving them a lot of hope through our own stories, through the MK staff stories, from the counselor's stories they share in the mornings. So all the pieces come together to say, ah, okay, I have hope. It's going to be messy, but I do have hope for the future. Yeah. And I would also say just experiencing it, I would say that, you know, there's processing and those deep conversations, they, they are taxing. And so when you want to go through those things, it's, we intentionally add those days of rest in there, which, you know, lengthens the time, but they're important. So spending a day at a theme park or at the beach, those things, they're fun but they they actually are vital to the processing itself so it kind of breaks it up intentionally which adds to the time but it makes it important yeah that's a really good point the the weekend is a really significant turning point for some students you know friday's a pretty heavy day our first week I'm talking about grief and loss and coping with adverse circumstances really hard topics on top of all the other things that they've been learning about themselves and then Saturday, we do the theme park so they can scream and yell. And then we have a movie night so they can crash and uh, just relax. And then Sunday, they have a um, retreat of silence for about three hours, two and a half hours on Sunday morning. And that's a time for them to finally journal and process and be with the Lord in what he's been showing them. And then we have some more rest in the afternoon. But then that night is um, a really significant time of prayer. And we have prayer stations all over um, a really beautiful fountain area. And a lot of students mentioned in their evaluations that that's just a really solidifying, significant kind of turning point for them to take kind of the head knowledge and the heart knowledge and to lay it before the Lord in a, in a meaningful way. So Pete said it. Yeah, that weekend is vital time. We could just like cram all the information into a, a shorter period, but for our program, it just works better to have that rest and play and then hard work. You had some work with Dr. Pam Davis, who did a linear study, I think it was, on MKs who have had the experience of a re-entry. What has she found uh, is true about MKs who have had a re-entry experience as opposed to those who have not? And even with their North American peers who haven't had to go from one culture to another. Steve, that's one of my favorite pieces of research because it just confirms what our experience has been. And that is, if you look at American kids uh, and missionary kids on a scale relating to stress, depression, and anxiety, right before college, that 18-year-old who's heading off into you know post-high school, MKs are higher on all three scales heading into college. But after the reentry program, there are 12 days of all the things that we've been talking about, they are lower than their American counterparts on all three scales. So heading into college, 
they are lower on depression, stress, and anxiety compared to the American counterparts that are heading off. And that speaks volumes because especially this generation, there's so much stress and anxiety. We know that giving them more hope and lowering the fear that they're not going to make it can make a huge difference psychologically, emotionally, and then spiritually as a result. Well, and it's also the tools that are being given to them through the program of processing and understanding themselves better and understanding how they react to things. And those all, I mean, those would benefit every single person on the planet. And um, so those are just tools that really help lower those things. Right. So Debbie, after, you know, two weeks together, um, what is those final days like? You know, we talk about high mobility, we talk about goodbyes. What do you see in those final days of reentry and, and why is it impactful? So the unique thing about missionary kids, which I know the parents know, is that they tend to build relationships very quickly and deeply because it's urgent. They don't know when someone's going to leave. And so they grow close very fast. It's not always with the people in their small group. Sometimes that small group really gels and other times it's just like a, a really neat space to share, but those aren't the same kids that they hang out with, like during the free time, the little bit of free time that we have. But I just, I got an email from one of the MKs just yesterday. I sent an email blast that included the video, the recap video, and um, just a hello and hang in there and you got this and God's got neat things planned for you. And an MK emailed back and he said, thank you so much. I've been making phone calls. I've, I've called like 20 different people from the seminar. So he was, what kind of relationships come out of it? Well, you know, that kind, the kind that, you know, afterwards as they're heading off into this big transition, I think what's unique about it is it's not their past friendships and it's not where they're going friendships. It's this um, microcosm of people who really understand them. They processed a lot and it's like strengthened their identity spiritually as well as emotionally and kind of filled them up like a water into a pitcher, filling them up. So they feel like, Hey, I just made friends. So maybe I can make friends again, even with Americans or in this next stage. So it's like this really great container of encouragement is how I see it, that they're going to make it. So who wouldn't want to land in that kind of community before going into a gap year or, or college? So it's really sweet. Everyone, you know, I was going to say this at some point, but um, some kids come with a lot of experience with friendships through international schools. So they're, you know, they've got the revolving door, but they have a lot of practice at either shutting people out and saying, I'm not going to say goodbye once more, or just, you know, building another friendship with an MK. And others of our uh, MKs are coming from pretty remote areas, like probably a lot of ethnos families are more remote and maybe have conferences that they, where they meet other people, but that's really their, their only outlet. So for some of them, they're like, I'm just so relieved I can make friends hmm. because they haven't just had actual opportunities to start from scratch or few opportunities. Um, and then to hear stories of other MKs whose experiences might be from a city or an international school or a remote area, they share so much, even though their stories are so different. And I've forgotten what question you asked, but, uh, Oh, what are the last two days like? Because of the goodbyes. Yeah, that's the that's the 
beauty of, you know, even if we didn't have any content and we just had two weeks of camp, I, you know, I think even that would be helpful, but then we add on all of the other layers of getting to know themselves better and getting to know God better because of processing through some of the things that may have been blocks to really hearing from the Lord. Uh, I want to add just briefly, but a lot of the students mentioned in their evaluations that they feel they felt so heard and seen and understood. I love hearing that. It's just beautiful. You know, that's a gift. Well, one of the things that I always love seeing is I think they come in knowing that this is temporary, but then this is also a specific and unique time built to prepare them for something that's coming. And so they come in, you know, guarded because of sometimes feeling like I'm, you know, intimidated by that process or I don't want to say goodbye again. And that's, that's true. But because they're coming in knowing that this is a unique time intentionally to help them into the future. Those last days are just, it's like this, this like unity of like, we're going to do this guys. We're here for each other. Let's go, you know? And so it's this like charge and you guys are with me. I know it. And so, you know, so it's less like I'm losing my friends forever. It's more of like, I just gained this strength around me and I'm excited to move forward with these guys, you know, next to me. So I always love feeling and seeing that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned evaluations. Every year you, you take evaluations kind of as they're exiting. You want to share some of those that you uh, just had stand out from this year? Yeah, for sure. Um, when Gal said, it has confirmed my thoughts that it will for sure be hard, but it has given me hope and made me feel that I'm not alone and maybe excited to see how God will provide. So again, just that encouragement, like it's going to be hard and okay. We don't want them to leave and be like, oh, I got this. No problem. But to really say, yeah, there are going to be challenges, but I can expect those because everybody has those <laughs> is really encouraging. Another gal, MK from Russia said, it's such a healing, wonderful time of community. This has been one of the most life-giving times in my life. Love that. Another gal, I feel more prepared for college and more prepared to deal with my emotions which really sums up a lot of the seminar, a lot of talk about, you know, it is a lot of psychoeducation and processing feelings, but also how to move forward in a healthy way. It's made me realize that while it's going to be messy and hard, it's also healthy and normal. She mentions the small group times are really meaningful for me and a good place to practice vulnerability. One student from Indonesia wrote, I feel better prepared, seen and heard, and like I was poured into I feel more ready to go out into the U.S. again. And lastly, or one more, it has been two of the best weeks of life and definitely worth going. Mm. That was one of our super quiet students who just really blossomed. Okay, one more. There's a student who represents, I think, a lot of kids who maybe come through international schools and they're fairly well adjusted. I think they'll do fairly well in terms of fitting into the culture, not too much, but enough. You know, they have a pretty good sense of who they are. And he writes, go, no matter what, make it happen. So, you know, it doesn't on this, on the whole, the gamut of why students would go, I, I just come back to it's really helpful for anyone. <laughs> It's really helpful for anyone, no matter, you know, if you were on the field half your life or all your life. Well, that is awesome. What are some of those uh, you had mentioned? It's hard sometimes to, 
for people to say, I'm, I'm going to go. What are some of those barriers? I would say even right off the bat, you know, some of them, you know, it's the financial end and we'll, we'll actually kind of talk about that in a minute, but what are just some of the other things that you've noticed that are, can be sometimes the barriers, whether it's the parent or the MK? Um, for kids who thought I'm going to be okay. Like maybe the student that I just referenced who was like, no matter what, make it happen. He would be a kid who might've been on the fence, but uh, for a kid like that. And I, there was actually one that I, I read uh, one of their evaluations just a minute ago, and he did not go through as a freshman. And he's so thankful that he came through as a 20 year old, which we made an exception. Um, his sister had come, come through last year, two years ago. And I remember his parents saying, you know, our son's not doing well. Could he come? And so we made an exception. And I think the barriers are ourselves. Like, I, I'll be fine. I don't really need it. And, you know, the Lord works in all kinds of ways. So it's not like this is the only way your kid's going to be okay. We also have kids who come through and still have major doubts about their faith in the future. You know, it's not a panacea for any ill in the future. But it does give kids a place to have really strong Christian community in a fairly healthy way that will always be part of their experience that they can come back to, regardless of where they end up thinking about, you know, who God is uh, to them. So let's see, other barriers are, I'd say probably the biggest one is like, oh, I don't really need it. It's it's going to be fine. We had one student who uh, was a last entry this, this year. He was on the waiting list and somebody dropped out at the last minute and his parents said, we're going to have you go. And he, the closer he got, he really didn't want to come, which I completely understand. You know, kids are coming out of the blue to a new location, which they're going to have to do in a couple of weeks for college anyway. So it's like early anxiety. Um, Two nights into the program, he called his parents and he said, thank you so much for making me come. I'm having a blast. It's two day, two nights in. <laughs> it's like not very far into We hadn't even learned names yet. <laughs> I didn't even have the names and he was so thankful. Um, yeah, so students who are resistant because they're either quiet or there was, there was a student from a more remote area this year who had planned, I think, his his mode of getting through college was going to be just keep the friends that I have now from high school, from growing up. I'm just going to keep those friends. I don't really need anyone else. They're solid. And after getting through two weeks of the program, he's like, I realized I can't be that quiet kid who just sits in the back and hopes it's enough with the friends I have. I have to put myself out there, which I think is hopeful. You know, you don't want to spend the rest of your life just holding on to the past. <laughs> past friendships, past relationships, doesn't mean that those disappear, but we don't want to just stop at age 18, you know, relationally can't. And so he really took a step and, and made some gains. So for kids who are like, I got this or kids who are like, Oh, I don't know. Let's see another barrier. I think as a parent myself, I have a son heading into college for his first year um, so making the transition as American kid, and my daughter did it last year. I'm very aware of how hard it is to give up the time for my kids to be away, especially if our whole family's coming back stateside two weeks feels like a, um, just too much of a sacrifice. So I think time is a barrier. Certainly finances can, um, get in the way, but if I feel like my kid's pretty healthy or I might have some fear, like, what are they going to unearth? 
in the counseling that, you know, might be too much for them. Or I think for all of us, we, we as parents know that things could have happened to our kids that we didn't know about. And what if something comes up that I didn't know about? Um, and I have a tremendous amount of compassion for, for you parents um, as a parent myself. And I, my encouragement for that is we also want our, our kids to grow in the Lord and grow as, as healthy individuals. And I want to grow too. So if there is something that comes up, it doesn't have to be a mark on my parenting. In fact, encouraging my kids to go can be an encouragement or a, what's the phrase I'm looking for? A um, permission can be permission from the parents to say, this is going to help you. It's focused on you and giving you care and love and compassion so that you can get really filled up before this next transition. And I'm hoping as a parent, I'm hoping that you'll learn new things and that you can share some of those when it, the time is right so that, you know, we can also grow and learn. Maybe we can do some different you know, things differently with the younger siblings or just work on our communication as you head off. So it's, it's, I think it gives our young adult or adulting kids permission to grow and um, take a step into their future with confidence. Yeah. So good. And, you know, as far as like who qualifies for this program, you know, what if a kid moved to a, a field late, you know, like if they were 11 or later or spent a lot of time in the U.S., but spent a, just a little time on on a mission field. Some of those lines can get a little blurry of like, well, who qualifies for a reentry program? And, you know, what would you say to that? Yeah, I think um, if they've only been overseas for one or two years in high school, that's probably a different, I would make it that more akin to like an exchange program or two-year short-term experience, which can still have some impact in terms of like developmentally looking back on your story. I just go back to what I said earlier, which is it really is helpful for anyone <laughs> to get a footing of like, how do I handle conflict? How do I handle relationships? Do I shut down? Do I run to really unhealthy people? Why do I do that? Just to be curious about how we function in the world relationally. And in that way, it's like, it's really helpful for anyone. So I think as long as it's not like a super short term where the student wouldn't feel like they identified with missionary kids, that might be the only person I would say, well, then it wouldn't maybe be as the content would miss you just yeah. kind of at each turn a little bit, if that makes sense. And then yeah. the age groups that you focus right. on. Yeah. So, um, Nirmar, uh, Christian foundation, our window of opportunity is really that graduated high school senior going into college or gap year. That's, that's what we, that's the phrasing we use. That's our, our language that we use for the program, the significant period. We do, as I mentioned, we do um, make exceptions for a college student who um, is a one or two years out and missed it. Not, I wouldn't say, oh, I'll do it in two years. They're, they'll take it. They'll take us. I think it's most significant at that early stage. Um, but our MK staff who come back to help us always get great redo of information, you know, 
they love hearing it again because they hear it at a different stage, right? So it's helpful for them. Uh, but the design is really for that transition to between high school and college. I guess we also have had um, one or two kids come through who are a junior going into their senior year, but their parents are leaving the field. So this is the time that they're coming off the field. And I just make sure the parents or the, the child feels confident in being around older kids, which usually missionary kids are. Um, but I just let them know that the content is geared towards slightly older audience. Um, yeah. Debbie, this has been really helpful. It's not just Naramore that runs these programs, but there are several others that take place across the U.S. and Canada. Can you tell us who they are and where they are? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so we are emailing a few times throughout the year with the directors of the other programs to make sure that we're trying to spread out as much as we can our dates so that we are able to serve as many missionary kids as possible. And I love the connection that we have with these other groups and um, highly recommend all of them. So Interaction International has three that they run. They call them Transit Lounge, clever term. And they have one in Texas, one in Georgia, and they just started one this past year in Michigan at Calvin University. That one was a little bit longer this year, it was a kind of a pilot program. Barnabas just ended their programs. So this one in Michigan came from those staff that were wanting to continue that, but Interaction has picked up programming for that. And then in Canada, they have the More Network and they do something called Reboot and then Wilderness Reboot, which I think is for slightly older 20-somethings in a wilderness type camp. The Interaction groups I'll just mention um, also serve a broader range of teenagers. So where we, NCF, really focuses on that transition to college or gap year right after high school. Interaction International has a few different, they have a younger program geared towards slightly younger kids. I think it's 13 to 17. And then uh, a couple. So if you go to their website, interactioninternational.org, you will find all their great listings there and age groups, which is a great resource. They have lots of good things there. One of the things that we have to keep in mind too and consider is these programs come with a price tag. And while we feel they're well worth it, what can we do to help parents afford bringing their children to a program like Naramore or one of the other reentries? Great question. I just on Sunday made payments to Biola for my two, two college-age kids and talk about sticker shock. And so I have a I do have a lot of compassion for like how would I how would I also add a ticket, travel tickets to the US plus a reentry program. Um, so here is what our kind of go-to word of advice for finances. We know really we charge between 750 and 800 moving forward um, in the years ahead, uh, 800 for 12 days, just under two weeks. So that's about 400 room and board a week, which is, you can't go to a camp here in, in, the U.S. for for that uh, price, four hundred dollars for a full week of programming. You can't even do that. So, the value, uh, for sure, I would say is how do we make it happen? It, it's just it's so worth it. So, how do we make it happen? And a couple different things. I highly recommend talking to family members or church supporters who, you know, know our kids, love our kids 
if you can, if you have younger children and you can tell your family or friends, hey, can you put aside a little bit so that we can make this happen before college because we anticipate the college costs are going to be astronomical, but we want to make sure that this happens. Um, supporting churches often love to uh, give to a very specific project, especially the family. It's a very tangible thing. And if you have people who've never given to missions, this is probably one of those things that they'd be like, well, that sounds like a really good project. I'll give to that. So one-time gifts uh, to help make that happen. So reaching out to churches, reaching out to family and friends who are supporters for this one-time gift. I can even speak into that. Like I've had a family friend, a missions family friend that were coming back and their their graduating daughter. And uh, we shared a ascending church. So I just went and talked to the missions pastor, just said, hey, this family's coming back. Their daughter's coming back. Man, this program would be fantastic for them. Finances is tough right now for them. And it wasn't even a second glance. This missions pastor was like, done. Where do I send the finances to make this happen? So a lot of the churches want to be involved, and this is a tangible way that they can be involved in not just supporting a family, but being a part of their family's you know, transition back to the U.S. and, and helping their kids. They're passionate about them and want to be involved. I mean, I'll yeah. add to that, too. Our MK Care team is happy to step in and write a letter or make a phone call, as Pete did, to um, a supporter or a church, and just add our endorsement to these programs. So contact us if you think we can help you with that. You can save ahead of time, but I know um, saving for college, it's like plan A was me going back to work full time. So I know that a saving can be you know, a hard, a hard thing. Yeah, I, I know Ethnos has has some grants, and um, I had I've had a grandparent or two say, "Hey, how do I pay for my grandchild to come through the program?" So, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well. With Ethnos three hundred and sixty, RMK Care Department has grants that we can help with reentry programs, and so every year we put out information, and families can just uh, connect with us, and we can get them um, pretty substantial financial aid to go to these programs because we are. As an organization, we are behind these. We are, if we could run them ourselves, we would, but we know this is what is most beneficial. And so we want to, I mean, we help staff as we as much as we can. I've been able to help with Nairmore. We've also helped with interaction and swopes. Steve and, and his wife Becky have worked with the Barnabas one. So we want to be involved. We want to see them happen. We want to see our families involved as well. So finances are a thing, I know. And so we want to be involved to help as much as we can. So if you're in that spot, look us up for sure. We want to help. I, if I could add here, I one of the things that um, I mentioned before um, that came through the evaluations is the students really feel seen and heard and loved and poured into. And I heard that again and again in the evaluations and so Naramore Christian Foundation raises quite a bit of money through the foundation for this program specifically. Lots of people love to give to the MKs and they're not, you know, focused on a specific mission organization. They just love the kids because the cost of the program is probably about $1,600 a person. Um, and we only charge $800. So that's because we have such a robust staff. You know, we have 18, 17, 18 people on staff that we have to pay their uh, room and board for free. Um, we cover that. And so it's a lot of it's a lot of cost to the organization and people love to give to it. So it also speaks uh, to the MKs when they know that people are praying for them and giving to make this program happen. Well, Debbie, as we close this, we just want to thank you for coming on and not just for coming on today, but for your commitment to MKs and missionary families for the last, I don't know how many years. 
you've probably impacted hundreds and hundreds of, of families. And we, th we thank you for your commitment to that. And not just, not just you, but the Nairmore Foundation and Interaction International, Barnabas, the Moore Network, all these organizations that have done such a great job in, in providing these re-entry programs. So we appreciate that very much. But we want to just give you an opportunity too to let us know how we can be praying for you personally and maybe for the Nairmore Foundation and the re-entry going forward. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I I would love prayer for uh, just the continuation of the program as I teach full time. I started teaching full time last year, so that narrows my availability to work as much as I have wanted to on the program in the spring and leading into winter, spring, procuring volunteers and all of the administrative things that go into the program. Um, but God was gracious and gave me just enough energy in the evenings that I opened my email to, you know, get through just, you know, really attack a little bit each, each time I opened the computer. And so just praying for a good balance and um, continued favor in doing both of those things. And then my first day of teaching this year, August 21st, my son is getting on a plane with my husband. I am actually putting them on the plane at 6 a.m. And then I'm walking over to the school where I teach to teach seniors. And I am going to be weeping all day long. Mm. <laughs> there's, no, there's just no other way around it. And that's fine. That's really fine. Uh, but I, I'm sure the seniors are going to be like, what in the world have we gotten ourselves into? But um, yeah, prayers for the year as I engage with uh, students in a secular school and opportunities to be the light and love of Christ in my workplace and with my peers, my colleagues. Yeah. And then just trusting the Lord for the future of all the programs and missions in general, right? And uh, the changing shape of, of missions and ministry and um, to be faithful stewards of what God calls us to is really my prayer. Yeah. Very good. We'll be praying. Thank you. Well, with that, we want to thank you, Debbie, for joining us today on this episode of Basecamp. Uh, we want to thank you as well for joining and coming along this uh, conversation with us. It's our hope that you've enjoyed today's interview and that it will help you as you prepare for your future. If you would like to comment on today's podcast or if you have any questions or if you need info on what our team can offer, or if you just want to say hello, buenos dias, bonjour, guten tag, avinan true, or, you know, hey, Debbie, how do you say, well, because this program's in LA, how do you say hi in LA? Yeah, I got this. In LA, you say, hey, <laughs> head nod. There head it nod. is. Hey. All important. <laughs> uh, you can always contact us at our email, mkcare at ntm.org. You can also find us on Facebook, on Instagram, and our handles for that are ethnos360mkcare. We also have a website, mkcare.ethnos360.org, with lots of resources for you. It's our one-stop shop for our workshops and podcasts and resources and all kinds of stuff. So check that out. Our mkcare program is register and opt-in based, so parents make sure to get your kids registered. MK's 13 to 18, you can also have your own access to the website. Uh, you just need to have parent permission. Um, until next time, this is Pete and Steve and Debbie. We are so excited as we walk alongside the journey with you.